Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the 26th day of February 2017, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Hey, folks, let me tell you how frustrated I am. Uh, I'm in Southern California, and I had recorded a Sunday request that I was going to post today, and I realized that the hard drive that that podcast is on is sitting back at the other Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California. So I recorded you on. I said, well, guess what? I have a Sunday request for next week because I did in somewhat evergreen style, and so I'm going to record one for this week. And I recorded it. It was a good one. It was a really good one, and the file is corrupted. And I frankly don't think I can do a repeat performance of what I did. I was a little bit prepared, but I just went on it. It was, it was, it was spontaneous. The fact of the matter is it's gone. And instead of trying to replicate that, I'm going to keep that topic of a Sunday request in my back pocket. And maybe I'll do it some other day. And that will be a Sunday request for a couple of weeks down the line. Boy, I'm the next bunch of weekends, I'm going to be in great shape because of all, all the stuff recorded. The problem is I don't have anything for, for, for today done yet. I'm doing it now. So... Look, I don't like to pull back the curtain that often. I know I'm not supposed to do that, but the fact of the matter is, this is how much I love you, my listeners. I'm not going to let this slide. I'm going to do another one. I'm going to do another one right now, because there's some good ones out there, and a bunch of you have been writing a lot of really good Sunday requests and things, and this one comes from, well, I'm going to do another one from the starting block. I've done a few from the starting block and this is another one I'm going to do right now. He wrote to me, Sully Baseball Sunday request, if Scherzer has three more top five Cy Young years, has he had an under-the-radar Hall of Fame career? And I guess the nature of this question, I think the nature of this question shows how sometimes I am out of the loop in terms of how normal baseball fans think. Because... In my mind, there is nothing under the radar about Max Scherzer. He is one of the... When you think there's a handful of pitchers, very few pitchers have won the Cy Young Award in the American League and the National League. They would be uh, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, Gaylord Perry, Roger Clemens, Roy Halladay, and Max Scherzer. There you go. There's your list. And Max Scherzer has been an elite pitcher for you know, several years now. Now he was, uh, he had, you know, the last bunch of years he was in Detroit. He was one of the best pitchers in baseball. He was from, basically from 2012 to this year, this last year, he has been uh, one of the elite pitchers in the game. I have no, I have no bones about that. That's one, two, that's about... Five years of being one of the elites in the game. And by any metric, he's been putting up the great numbers. Whether you like, you know, whether you like wins, whether you like strikeouts, whether you like innings pitch, whether you like whip, 
whether you like ERA plus, whether you whether you're someone who prefers, uh, you know, the war for pitchers, wins above replacement, and all this. You know, these are all things that he manages to, you know, be one of the elite pitchers doing that. And he's done it at a you know he's done it at a high level in terms of he's he's pitched very well in the postseason, save for a game here or there. You know, I mean, he would have, with a decent bullpen in 2013, he basically would have pitched the Tigers into the World Series. He won two games in the, in the series against the Oakland A's, uh, and he, was, he had the lead in two games against Boston. They just, the bullpen happened to let up grand slams and letting all of his runners score. But the fact of the matter is he was... He, in that, that series against Boston in 2013, he struck out 21 batters in 13 and a third innings. And he let up only six hits in those 13 and third innings, striking out 21 batters. His record to show for that was 0-1 with a 2.70 ERA, of which I think most of those runs came in as inherited runners scored. So, I mean, he was he was doing everything in his power to to pitch the Tigers to a championship, and you can't blame him for the postseason last year either with 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 Washington. You know they, you know he let up a home run to uh, you know Jock Peterson to tie the game, and then they yanked him, and the bullpen lost the deciding game. Well, I, I still don't know why they yanked him. It never made any sense to me. Some things don't make sense to your pal Sully. The fact of the matter is Max Scherzer is having a terrific career. Albeit one where his peak really began at age 27. So, I don't think there's... I mean, the fact that he's had multiple no-hitters, a 20-strikeout performance, been doing it on a big stage... I guess he's been doing it under the radar because he's doing it in Detroit and Washington. But for me, there's no part of it is going under the radar. So I guess for me, I'm kind of like, he's under the radar? Okay, I guess, maybe. By the way, let's hear it for that trade because he was an Arizona Diamondback, lest we forget. And he was involved in a three-team trade uh, after the 2009 season. And the the... The, the pieces that went around it, like the Tigers sent Curtis Granderson to the Yankees, uh, and Edwin Jackson to the Diamondbacks, Yankees sent Phil Koch and Austin Jackson to the Tigers, the Diamondbacks sent Scherzer and Daniel Sherleth, never been able to pronounce his name, to the Tigers, Ian Kennedy went to the Diamondbacks. So essentially, they gave the, the Diamondbacks traded away who would become a two-time Cy Young Award winner and some other players, and got Ian Kennedy and Edwin Jackson in the mix. Um, and the funny thing is, Edwin Jackson threw a no-hitter for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and Ian Kennedy had a year where he was a Cy Young contender and a 21-game winner in 2011. And there's still no way to say that the Diamondbacks don't look terrible making that trade. Well... Scherzer is going to be 
paid and paid very well through the 2021 season. He's under contract with the Nationals for what, one, two, five more years. He'll be 36 years old. And I suppose when you take a look at the players who he is closest to, when you go to similar similar pictures, their similarity scores at BaseballReference.com, single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, you see him lined up with players like David Price, uh, Adam Wainwright, Johnny Cueto, Clayton Kershaw, John Lester. These are all players that it makes sense because they're all players who are you know big-time aces and, and contemporaries. The, the names that are sort of more interesting to me would be John Tudor and Johan Santana. Those are two pitchers who were putting together, I mean, Santana was putting an absolute no-brainer Hall of Fame career together when injuries caught up with him. Same thing, you know, Tudor may not be a no-brainer Hall of Famer, was putting together some great years and injuries caught up with him. And so he is at that crossroad. Where is he going to be a guy who had an unbelievably high peak, a high peak worth multiple Cy Young Awards, or is he going to be someone who will take the turn and continue throwing great ball through his career for the next five, six years and will be a Hall of Famer? And there's almost no way to judge that, but the first thing I have to say is that things happen when you hit your 30s. Things happen when you get to that moment when you looks like oh you this guy's this guy's putting it together this guy this guy could be Cooperstown bound and then all of a sudden injuries catch up with you in a heartbreaking way Johan Santana is the best example i can think of in a way because he was the best pitcher in the game for a few years he was the top. He was the write it in ink Cy Young Award pick every year. And then injuries just toppled him. And he went from, you know, he, he went from a no-brainer Hall of Famer to, oh, man, what, what, a, what a loss. And there was always a sense with him towards the end of his career that, oh, man, if only, and there was like little moments of greatness you saw, little moments where you saw, oh, it could it be, could it be, is he going to be it, is he still going to be it? And you cling to that because you want it to be back. You want him to come back to that level. You know, I mean, giant fans with Tim Lincecum. Remember, Tim Lincecum won back-to-back -back Cy Young Awards and then became a World Series hero. He got all the hard stuff done. All he needed was longevity. You know, he got the no-hitters later and everything, but with each no-hitter, it was like a little tease. Like, oh, he still could be an ace. He still could be an ace. But And people rooting for Timmy, rooting for Timmy. But it fell apart. And now I don't know if he's going to get another job. You know, another name that came to mind of a multiple Cy Young Award winner was Brett Saberhagen. Brett Saberhagen won the Cy Young Award in 1985, super young when he did it. And 
won another Cy Young Award in 1989. And along the way, had some terrific years. He probably, um, he could have won. He was certainly a contender in 1987 as well. And you looked up and, and he was in his 20s, World Series hero, all the Cy Young Awards. And you're like, yeah, Hall of Fame. This is, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. And he wound up playing for many more years. He wound up pitching until, what, you know, 2000, 2001, he played his final games. But he had so many injuries and only one or two more years of note. And his years with the Mets weren't that great. And then he had he had one very good year in Boston. But then, you know, he just, they were like flashes of the guy who looked like he was put together a Hall of Fame career. And, of course, a big difference between Scherzer and Santana, Lincecum, and Saberhagen. You know, the similarities, of course, are they've all multiple Cy Young Award winners, the top in their game for a stretch there. But those other pitchers I mentioned hit that peak earlier than Scherzer did. Scherzer broke through elite status around 27 years old. He's now going to be 32. And he's piled up, what, five really great seasons. He probably said five really more before anyone really starts talking about him uh, being a Hall of Famer. But then you start to see stuff. Like what Chelsea James was saying from the Washington Post. Max Scherzer still unable to throw his fastball. That he was, you know, Scherzer was going to pitch in the World Baseball Classic. If I'm the Washington Nationals, and I know he's signed for, what, 20-some-odd million each year, up to $30, $40 million, whatever ludicrous contract he signed. He's all going to pitch in the World Baseball Classic. You get your butt back to camp. And you're not pitching in any glorified spring training game. You know, anytime you start to see these little things, these little things of the injuries, these little things of, oh, he's not projected to do this, he's not projected to do that, that's when I get terrified as a baseball fan. That's when I get really, really worried as a baseball fan that, we're seeing the beginning of the end. Now, I don't wish that on Max Scherzer. I've never met Max Scherzer. I don't know squat about Max Scherzer. And I'd like to see the Nationals win for a bunch of reasons. But the fact of the matter, you know, it's funny. I said for a bunch of reasons, and then I almost said, like I said in the other podcast, but then I realized the other podcast was the one that's lost forever. So I guess I have to refer to that some other time. I'd like to see the Nationals win. And adding a world championship to Max Scherzer's resume uh, couldn't hurt. It really couldn't hurt. But the fact of the matter is this. He has to put up five more years to really have a Hall of Fame caliber career. To be the difference between, uh, you know, John Tudor and Tom Glavin. And at some point, the difference is longevity. At some point, the difference is the number of years you log in of outstanding years in there. Otherwise, we'd be talking about Frank Viola in the Hall of Fame. We'd talk about Dave Stewart in the Hall of Fame, which we're not. We'd be talking about Fernando Valenzuela or Hershiser in the Hall of Fame, which we're not. And that's where Scherzer is sitting right now, and I'd be terrified 
for his Hall of Fame legacy right now if the injuries are starting to catch up. And boy, oh boy, would I be terrified if I'm a Washington Nationals fan saying, um, Scherzer's healthy, right? Scherzer's not going to be hurt, right? Man, you know, the fact that the Nationals have had all this talent on their team since 2012 and have had zero postseason series victories is astonishing. And the legacy of that, if they don't win and Strasburg's injuries catch up with them and Scherzer breaks down and starts to have injuries catch up with him and Bryce Harper says, I'm out of here and signs a big, huge contract with someone else, then, uh, you know, I'll be honest with everyone here. That would be almost a, I hate to use the word tragedy, but that would be just a, that, that would be a damn shame to waste all those primes. The injuries to Max Scherzer and the fact that he's not thrown his fastball yet would scare me. Would scare me right down to my socks. My beloved Red Sox, if you will. And in terms of Max Scherzer being a Hall of Famer, he needs to pitch at this super high level. And I guess one thing when you take a look at those pitchers I mentioned, Santana, Saberhagen, Scherzer for that matter. It really makes you appreciate the greatness of the starting pitchers who do make it to the Hall of Fame because they do meet the criteria of getting the big wins, getting the big numbers, and winning the big games and doing it for a long period of time. You know, it should be hard to be a Hall of Famer. It should be hard. And you should have to add more than just a super high peak. You should have to do it for a while. And Scherzer's not there yet. I'm going to root for him. And, and I, you know, I truly hope they would. I truly hope he does. Because it's fun to watch a Hall of Famer. It's fun to watch someone put it all together the way he does. And will. And hopefully will throughout his career. But the fact of the matter is, it's going to take a lot and I don't know if he has five more years in him. Because if he's not throwing a fastball and injuries are starting to take their toll, you know, the chances of him suddenly getting great again in his late 30s, that doesn't really happen anymore. So the starting block, I hope I did something resembling answering your question. I hope I didn't ramble too much there, but you know what? These are complicated times, and sometimes they demand complicated answers. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Thinking about the legacy of Max Scherzer, this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. In my third attempt at a Sunday request for the 26th day of February 2017, I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.